Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Dynamic Word Bible Studies. This is your host, Felicia DeRozier. Today, I am joined by two amazing co-hosts. The first one is... Cross. Cross. And then we've got a special guest host today. You guys might remember her from a couple of shows back. I know Cross knows her pretty well. And I, this is like my bestie, bestie girl. Uh, Sherry Vivian, say hi to everybody. You're here. Hello, everyone. <laughs> We're so glad you're here to join us today. Um, as usual, we always cut to commercial break right away to make sure we get those uh, commercial sponsors in, make sure that the radio station can keep moving. So we're going to go ahead and do that for the first three minutes here, and we will be back. We've got some awesome study going on today on Romans chapter 12, and we're also going to talk a little bit about Jesus's I am statement. So I'm really excited about that. We will see you guys in about three minutes. We all know that times are tough. And things are really expensive right now, so why not save a little bit of your wallet as well as the landfill? Marty.com carries high-quality products at low, low prices, sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com offers high-quality products at discount prices. Why? Well, sometimes products are seasonal or overstocked or packaging just changes. It's still great quality food, but it's going to end up in the landfill if we don't find some way to distribute it. And leave that to Marty.com. Now, if you want to save a little extra today, you can get $20 off your first order by going to our Facebook group for Dynamic Word Bible Studies and picking up a discount code there. So check out Dynamic Word Bible Studies at Facebook and find Marty.com on our comments. You'll be able to get this free discount code. It's going to give you $20 off, and it's also a great way to support our show and to keep those landfills light and to save some money in your wallet. And I'm all about saving money. Of all the grounding studies, the one that really got our attention is called Electric Grounding Improves Bagel Tone in Preterm Infants. In the study, 26 premature babies in an NICU were connected to grounding wires. The heart rates of the grounded infants stabilized and their vagal tone, a critical measure of infant health, increased by 67% with grounding. The information is provided for general informational purposes only. The contents are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Ground Therapy Incorporated makes no representations about the efficiency, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained in or available through the information provided. Hey, Freedomist Proof here. Just want to let everybody know that I have a trusted source for EMF protection. So you can block out this 5G possibly from your cell phone or any other electronic devices. Go to groundwithgia.com and please check out the selection of products that you might need to help filter out 
all this electronic garbage that's going to get into your house, into your life. So most of us have cell phones except for me. You're going to want to protect yourself. We all have Wi-Fi, and you definitely want to do something about this. Please check it out, groundwithgia.com. That's groundwithgia.com. Let's go. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to Dynamic Word Bible Studies. Here's your host again, Felicia DeRosa, my co-host. I've got Sherry Vivian joining us. Hello. And then uh, we've got Cross joining us here today. How are you doing? Hi. Today? I also happen to be your kid. Yeah, you do happen to be my kid. Um, those of you who have joined us on the regular, you know that Mariah is usually a part of the show. She's off for her summer break because she's working a part-time job. I'm hoping that we get her back after summer, right? That's what we're hoping because she's yes. so awesome. We like her. So um, let's see here. we got to get started. And usually we start with prayer. Did you want to pray for us, Mr. Uh, uh, Chaplain's aide at, at Scout? Sure. Are, are we supposed to take off our hats now? He always has to tell everybody to remove their hats when they pray for Scouts. So uh, yeah, hats off, guys. It's like a thing. Like, <laughs> like, I don't tell them to do it. It's like a knee-jerk response when they say, Cross, you want to pray? It's a knee-jerk response now to say hats off. Okay, so hats off, everybody. Okay, go ahead, buddy. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you that uh, we were able to do this radio show, that it runs uh, good and – that's good. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, We hope that it runs smoothly, that uh, everyone gets to say your words, not theirs. (laughs) Excuse me. Amen. Amen. Not actually running, but we're hoping that it stays smooth. Because morning, as as usual, in case you guys didn't know, whenever you're doing something for the Lord, you're bound to run into some technical difficulties. We've already hit some this morning, which means that it's probably going to be an awesome show. Also, fun fact, during one of our teachings that was really awesome, um, we don't know how it happened, but the power shut off. So, so I ran no, no, it was the internet. The internet shut off. Yeah. And I ran to the living room that, like, everything was good in there. Like Right, right. So the internet was only not working in the back of the house where we are, which is not a thing. Right. Right, not a thing. So <laughs> that doesn't we, just happen. Right, we don't know how that happened. So um, so anyway, we, we are hoping for a smooth running show today. We've already had our little technical glitch, so I'm hoping today we'll get to talk about being transformed without too many interruptions. So if you're following along with us with your Bible, we'd like to open up to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Um, as you may know, we've been, we've been uh, tiptoeing through Romans very, very slowly, and uh, we spent a little time. We did kind of mention uh, Romans 12, 2 last week, but I felt like we kind of just skipped over it, and I want to go back and investigate that verse a little further because last week we were focusing Um, a little bit more still on being um, a part of the tree of life. And now we want to talk about what it says in Romans 12, too, which is, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, I think that most of us would be able to say, I'd like to know the will of God, wouldn't you? 
Like, in most situations, I think we'd like to know the will of God. And so, um, basically, what I, what I want to talk about is that our aim should always be to allow God to transform us into the spirit-led man or woman um, and be completely changed. We should not look the same, not necessarily talking outward appearance, although outward appearance may change, but the inward person should really change uh, when we become a Christian. So what does that spirit-led life look like? Um, that's our key question for today. Um, of course, the Christian life involves these big changes, and honestly, we don't cover this um, during our altar calls. Usually in the altar call, they just say, hey, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And it's so easy to see that Jesus loves us and that he would do anything to win us over. But the big thing is we never, we almost never mention what our commitment to him looks like. Um, and I kind of feel like we do our new believers a disservice by not doing that. Um, it, it's like saying if you get married to this woman, then, you know, she, she uh, gets to be your wife and, and you guys get to live together. But you don't talk about the commitments of, you know, uh, standing by her when she's sick or um, standing by her when she's less lovely and uh, more frustrating, right? Um, the challenges of having children together or growing old together and having, you know, health issues, um, having financial issues. If you don't mention that sort of thing, you don't go into marriage with your eyes wide open, right? And I feel like we do this to, and when I say we, I'm not talking necessarily about my church or my altar call or um, even my denomination, I feel like Christians do this broadly, that, that we just say, Jesus loves you, so accept him into your life. But what does that mean? You know, and it, and it involves some big changes, and I feel like we kind of do new believers a disservice by not mentioning that. Um, did you have anything else uh, to kind of pop in there, uh, Sherry, and say about yeah. that? Yeah, because when we I ask to Jesus into our heart. Oh, you got me, Mike? <laughs> Um, I, I thought you, you might have heart. a thing or two to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Can you? Okay. So, yeah, when we ask Jesus in our heart, you know, we're supposed to come as we are, period. And I think we, we forget to, to tell them that when you ask Jesus in your heart, he is going to transform you from the inside out. Um, right. You know, as we, we enter with the bridegroom, because he is our bridegroom, and we make that vow and that commitment to him, and we ask him to change us, to transform us. We're asking him, we're opening that door for uh, restoration and renewal, complete forgiveness and total love. And what we don't realize is his love is transforming. His Holy Spirit, he sends us to to fill us up and to renew us so that when we pray and we ask in his name, we have power. And it is right. power to his blood that is covering us now. We are completely new creatures in him. And I think our commitment is to study his word and to learn more about him. It's his love letter to us. And when we right. ask him, to come into our hearts, our commitment to him is that we are giving ourselves over totally to him. And I think a lot of times we forget about making him the Lord of our life and coming right. to him 
for with everything. And right. that's what we do. When we get married, we come to our husband. We we know that um, we're making that in sickness and in health. But how do we do that? We can't do it in our own strength. But our, our vows as a wife and husband are a covenant with the Lord, and we're asking him to help us to do that, to become one. Um, right. That's why in Ecclesiastes 4.12 it says, a cord of three cannot quickly be torn apart. And as we come to the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, one God in three persons, we become filled, first of all, with God, okay? We, when we ask Jesus mm-hmm. into our hearts, we're asking God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, which is three persons in one, trying God. So the transformation mm-hmm. starts to take place immediately. But we're also right. supposed to work out our salvation. Now, work and grace. How do they work together? I think a lot of us don't really understand when we ask Jesus in our hearts that the results of our grace that God has given us are the works. They're the proof that we have Christ in our hearts because he starts to transform us. First of all, our worship is transformed. We go from just singing songs to actually entering into his throne room and his grace. When we, right. when we start to sing and pronounce the name of Jesus, okay? We as believers in Christ, this transformation starts as we read his words, you know, into the Bible. When we read it, the, the words of the page are written and etched on our heart, our mind, and our spirit. It's not just a spiritual transformation. It becomes a physical transformation because... Right. Our bodies are the temple of the Lord. Um, and then... Right, right. Let's pause right the other, there because that's, that's actually right what we're um, about to teach as to why what yeah. you said there, because that, that was a hard con- concept for me. Um, and I'm going to say, I know you're on a headset or something. Um, it might be better if you talk directly into your phone because you sound a little far away. Um, but okay. let's pause and then we'll come back so that you can keep going. Um, because I remember people used to tell me all the time that what we really had was God-shaped people in our hearts. And that honestly did not make any sense for a super-duper-duper long time. Okay? And, um, mm-hmm. and you've actually – oh, that's so much better. Okay. So you've actually led really, really well. Yes, much better. So you've actually led really well into this next point, and that is um, to understand uh, why we are transformed, okay? And so um, we were born into a state um, of separation from God, okay? And when we're born into that state, that seems normal to us, and we've learned all of our lives to function in this broken state. But we weren't meant to be in that state. It would be like if you learned to um, utilize something that's supposed to be connected to power, um, but you never had power connected to it. So maybe you find some way to utilize it outside of its intended purpose, but when you connect it to power, it's a game changer, okay? So 
to understand this, we have to go way back to the beginning where the problem first started um, that Christ came to solve because um, Christ actually came to solve a problem, okay? And I think part, part of the reason why Israel didn't come to Christ immediately was because they didn't understand what problem he was trying to solve. And broadly, we don't either, okay? Broadly, this is a big problem. Um, Christ said that he came to set the captives free in Luke 4.18, okay? Um, he's actually quoting Isaiah here, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, he wasn't talking about the politically oppressed, um, and Israel was waiting for him to free them from the oppressive rule of the Roman Empire, but he was trying to talk about those who were spiritually oppressed, and we were spiritually oppressed by sin, okay? And, and we know we're spiritually oppressed by sin when we look back at Genesis. So if we look back to Genesis chapter 3, Okay, and this is, I'm just going to give you kind of a brief overview here of the garden, okay? When we sit in the Garden of Eden, um, we're taking from the, spirit, from the fruit um, that was uh, the fruit of uh, the knowledge of good and evil. And this is supposed to make someone wise. This is what the serpent tells us. Um, to be able to determine for ourselves what is good and what is evil. And God had said that we could eat of any fruit that we wanted, but that we were supposed to allow him to discern what is good and evil. So it's when we want to take that right upon ourselves um, that is the problem, rather than trusting that God's ways are good. Um, now, I believe that people had the Holy Spirit in them in the beginning at this time when they were created, okay? And I'm going to tell you why I believe this. Um, so if you look at Genesis Chapter 2, verse 7, um, it's talking about the creation of Adam, okay? And um, then the Lord formed man from dust, from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature, okay? Now I want to turn here, and this is, so I believe that man was uh, endued with the Holy Spirit at that time, uh, because if you look in John chapter 20, we're going to New Testament now, okay, we're hopping around a lot. Uh, John chapter 20, verse 23, okay? Um, and now um, I'm going to actually start at verse 22, okay? Jesus is talking to his disciples, um, and he basically, you know, he wishes them peace, and he's getting ready to leave. Um, uh, he says, the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you, okay, because he's sending them out into the world to make disciples. And, and when he had said this, he breathed onto him and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you have forgiven the sins of any, they are forgiven. <laughs> we're laughing. Okay, we'll explain why we're laughing in a minute. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, every once in a while, the Bible says something that is kind of a humorous concept, right? So we've often said, can you imagine being in that conversation, being one of the disciples? And, Go out into the world. And, and Jesus is just like, ah, he's just breathing on you, right? Okay. But, but what we're meant to understand is not that it's, it would be an awkward conversation, but not that it would be an awkward conversation, but we're meant to see this parallel of when mankind is reconciled again to God and now we can receive the Holy Spirit. Um, and so um, 
I, I'm not 100% convinced of, of this um, yet, so I don't even know if I want to throw it out there, but there's the, the Old Testament refers to the inner man and the outward man, and I believe the triunity, the way that God kind of created man in his image, um, was to include the Holy Spirit in that. So that there's that trinity, that inward man, the outward man, and the Holy Spirit dwelling within Okay, and then when we lost that spirit, it's like we're broken. We're walking around the earth without everything that we were supposed to have in the first place. Well, it was two parts instead of three. Exactly, exactly. So, um, so when God describes what's going to happen to us uh, if we choose to be wise and rule ourselves rather than obeying us, um, this is in God or in Genesis uh, two seventeen. And he talks about surely you will die. Okay. The words that are translated surely die in English have a deeper meaning in Hebrew. Um, the actual word is moose, and it means to die, but here it's doubled to say moose, moose. Um, oh. It would be more precisely translated to say dying, you will surely die. So to indicate two different deaths, okay? The first one takes place immediately as the Holy Spirit is grieved by their decision to follow their own ways, and he departs from Adam and Eve. The second death comes later as their bodies die. So every person since this time was born basically with an inner void that was once occupied by the Holy Spirit. Okay? So we're, we're broken. Okay? And then as Sherry has rightly pointed out, when we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, God restores us from the first death and he gives us the Holy Spirit to indwell us again. The second restoration will come when the resurrection happens at the end of the age. Um, and for now, we live in this awkward in-between. Also, can I add something? Uh, you can add something, and then I'm going to um, be quiet because I'm going to let Sherry pick back up where she was. Okay? Um, <laughs> in Hebrew, uh, a lot of well, times they say, they say words twice. Yeah. And uh, interpret it in English. Mm-hmm. Um, if it says, like, uh, let, let's use Ma'od, for example. It's... Uh, Ma'od usually means, like, uh, strength, power, fullness, muchness, stuff like that. Sure. And uh, I think we may have coined the term muchness in that definition, but yes. Yeah. And and so when they say, um, like, the term ma'od is usually translated as strength, but it actually means uh, very or much. Yes. So uh, usually... They use like ma'od uh-huh. to say like they were very happy or they were very wealthy, okay. but like if they wanted to intensify their meaning, they would say ma'od twice. Right, very, very happy. Very, right. yeah. But but in the term when you were talking about um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? That's the only time ma'od is translated as strength. Yes, and and so really, I think we've had a discussion on the show before that that really that means. Um, all of you. Yeah. Everything. And, and, <laughs> and all of this is this. And actually in Hebrew, like, there's actually a word for strength, but, like, that's yes. not it. Yes. Kwach is the word for strength. Okay. Okay. So I, I remember we were talking about, if anybody's ever seen Alice, the the, the Alice in Wonderland with uh, Johnny Depp in there, but the second one through the looking glass, right? Um, he looks at Alice and says that he, she's lost her muchness. And I think that that's actually a really great description as to what this word means is muchness. It's, it's, it's 
she's lost her everything. Right, right. It's it's all it's all the muchness that you have um, that you're supposed to love the Lord your God with, right? Yep. Yes. There you go. Um, so anyway, I, I will uh, sit in the passenger seat for a while. <laughs> go ahead, Sherry. I will sit in that seat. Well, and and creation. Okay, when we were created, when Adam was created and Eve was created, when we mm-hmm. were created. We were created in God's image, as part of Him. Right. An extension. Okay. Um, no other creature was created in His own image. Not the angels. I'm, not, I'm having trouble uh, hearing you again, no friend. A creation. There you we go. Were created, we were created in God's image. Okay. Uh-huh. Therefore, we were whole. We were not separated from Him. Okay. The separation came because of our. Now, now I'm missing words, friend. Okay, um, because we were listening, we, because we were tempted by Satan, right? And we buckled. We instead of being obedient to God and not eating the fruit of the tree, we ate that fruit. That's where the separation came in. That's where right. the clouding, or if you want to say. Um, of the Holy Spirit happened, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and that separation because of sin. Well, Christ repaired that separation. Um, that's what God promised to us in Genesis. Um, when he right. gave the curses of, of, of a woman bearing childbirth and pain, okay? But we were created in his image. Therefore, with Christ as their center, you know, we squelch the devil. It's our flesh that keeps coming back, our flesh that keeps coming right. with that separation, with that sin. But once we ask Jesus in our hearts, you know, that's where the transformation begins, and that separation right. ends. That's why we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and that new transformation, that restoring, that restoration, that's what the transformation means is to become right. a new creature in Christ. Um, right. And I think a lot so, of times we so, so stop. Now, now we're at the point where you're, you're, you're kind of bringing us back into another part of the teaching. So let me go ahead and run through that, and then I'll pop it back over to you. Okay, friend? Okay. <laughs> Does that work? Okay. Yep. So, so yes, exactly. So, so we get restored. And we receive the Holy Spirit, right? Now, moving forward, we live in this really weird in-between place of being born again, being literal citizens of heaven, being restored to the Father, but still being housed in a body that is full of sinful, corrupted flesh, constantly making choices between the ways of the world and our desires and God's ways. Every choice that we make is another opportunity to take that proverbial fruit and put it back on the tree and say, God, not my ways, but your way, not my way, but your way, over and over and over again, and this is how transformation takes place. So we're not supposed to conform to the ways of this world. Now, this word means to identify with or be molded into the ways of this age or the ways of this world, and we see this going on, like, all around us. Everybody is being told that we have to conform, we have to identify the way that the world does, 
We have to be molded into the shape that the world is and accept everything around us as just being good, okay? Um, We tend to think of this as not creating habits that look like the world to steer clear of things like vanity and sin and cultural decline, but this verse is really talking more about that inward change. While engaging in sin is not for the believer, this isn't a don't verse. This is a do verse. The way of the world is my way or the highway. It is to do what feels good to me right now, and, that, um, and that's sin, just, just me wanting to do it my way rather than doing it God's way, okay? That is sin, and we're not supposed to identify with or be molded to that way of thinking, which is how we've lived all of our lives to this point. We're supposed to be transformed. And to be transformed, this is the same root as the word that we know from metamorphosis, like the change from from a caterpillar to a butterfly. This isn't a surface-level change. It means to become something entirely different from the inside out. And I can't do this myself. It's God's work living and active in me that can do it. So I'm going to let Sherry uh, pop in and, and talk a little bit more about that. And then um, we've got our final point to close up the teaching, okay? So you go ahead again, girlfriend. Share what's well, on your mind. <laughs> <laughs> so when we ask Jesus in our hearts, he starts the transformation immediately. Um, our right. desire, um, mm-hmm. our communication with him becomes more intense. When we pray, right. we pray with power. And when we pray, we forget that now we have a new connection with God. He sees, right. he hears, he always has our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. He's transforming, okay? Even before we come to ask him in our hearts, he's speaking to us. We may not be able to hear him, but he is. He's speaking to us. He's drawing us to him. He's telling us he loves us in every way, shape, and form. And the world is telling us, oh, don't listen to him. Remove him from you. That's, oh, could be why? Because Satan is in the world, okay? Well, he is manipulating those things. Even more innocuous, I think, is that the world um, does, doesn't come to an affront and just say, you know, remove him from you or, you know, does, it doesn't even just say, well, you know, um, do, do it the world's way. They, they just kind of say things like, well, that can't be fun for you. Don't you think that God wants you to be happy? Don't you think God wants you to have well, the things that you want? Okay, but there's a difference between, between what God, God's happiness and joy for us. Right. It doesn't hurt us. Okay, it doesn't hurt us physically. Right. It doesn't hurt us spiritually. It doesn't hurt others. Okay. Right. It's pure joy, okay, whereas, okay, and do we get joy and pleasure? Um, yes, we do, and he wants us to receive that, but he wants us to receive pure joy, Think toxic right. about what God has for us, whereas Satan disguises sin as pleasure, okay? But, Physical, but it's momentary. And yeah. Spiritual. Okay. But his is is a gateway to destruction. Okay. Right. Like okay. Satan can sit there and say, Oh, you know, 
eat this apple, it gives you the knowledge of good and evil. Don't you want to be like God? Okay? That is pride. That is, okay? Mm-hmm. Don't you, now, God says you can eat anything else, but not this. Okay? Not this. Why does he, because he doesn't want you to be like him. Okay? Satan knew that was a complete lie. He knew that right. was a complete lie. Okay? Um, the thing is, is that so he so enticed Eve. Okay? Now, you got to remember, Adam was created before Eve. He was given this commandment. Right. Okay? He's supposed to make sure his wife understands it. Okay? But seeing that she ate, he ate too. Now, was his mm-hmm. knowledge more than hers? Yes. But he didn't want to be separated. God doesn't want us to be separated from him at all. Right. He created us to walk in the garden with him freely. We do that once we've received him. We have the power right. to say no and to recognize that. But we have to ask God. As soon as we have a question, oh, should I do this or not? You know, okay, he doesn't explicitly come out in his word and say, do not eat this or do not eat that or do not. When, when Paul says in his writing, everything is permissible but not necessarily profitable, okay? Right. And he's talking about food and, and keeping the law and, and this and that. When, the, uh, when Jesus walked through the fields and he said, take the, 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 the wheat from the chaff and just go ahead and grab it and glean it, eat because they were hungry. When David did the same with the temple— All those times when God blessed that, he blessed that because he wanted to nourish physically. They needed physical nourishment. He knew they needed physical nourishment. That was a blessing. Like he said, that was profitable because that was of the Lord. Okay? Um, So it sounds like it can be kind of complex trying to distinguish, like, what the Lord's will is. And I think that that's the problem that we all kind of run into, right? And so I think that that runs right into our our points here. So let's go ahead and and run through our points so we can cut to commercial because we're a little over time. Um, So let's go ahead and and wrap this part of the study up and we'll have uh, more opportunity to discuss when we come back. Um, But yeah, like that's, that's kind of the question is like, well, then how do I know what the Lord's will is, right? Because sometimes things are profitable, sometimes they aren't. What? Yeah. We we test it by the word of God. Okay, yes. Yes. Um, And there's also um, this point of now we've got this secret weapon in us, right? Again, we've lived our whole lives just just the inner man and the outward man, right? And now we've got this Holy Spirit that's helping to guide and direct us. So let's see what that looks like, okay? Um, and actually, we can peep into Proverbs uh, chapter chapter three, verses five through eight to get an idea. Um, and he's and and here um, it says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil." And it will be, bring healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So, actually, this this proverb right here—it's very famous. I think most people have heard it. Um, is actually going to give us the keys 
of what God, uh, how God has uh, made it so that we can um, be able to um, move forward in the Holy Spirit. So the first point is that we need to trust God and not trust our own ways, our own thoughts, or, you know, and, and what does that involve? Well, of course, that involves going to the Word of God. It involves prayer. It involves listening to the Lord after prayer. You know, um, I think we often think about prayer as an active tool where we're speaking to God, but part of prayer is also listening to God and listening to what he has to say, right, Cross? Um, so um, Isaiah 55, uh, verses 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your, than your thoughts. Well, certainly I want to listen to the thoughts that are higher than my thoughts. Um, our second point here is that we're supposed to pray and listen to God's counsel. Okay, so here we're going to flip to Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 6. And, oops, I went the wrong page. Here we go. Uh, chapter 4, verse 6, and it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Um, and so we're not supposed to try to handle life just on our own with our own wisdom and understanding, right? We're supposed to go to God. And then our final point here is that we're supposed to do the things that God calls us to do. So it's not the same if we just pray and we hear from God and then we decide to do it our own way. Right? Can't you do <laughs> I mean, you can, but it doesn't work out very well. Okay? It doesn't work out very well. doesn't work out very well. Um, so whoever knows the right thing that, to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. So um, once we ask the Holy Spirit into our hearts, we're called to lean into God and to know the right things to do and to do them, um, asking him to strengthen us and to fill in the gaps when we can't do it alone. Um, because we do have a, the Spirit with us, we can ask for his help and his power and his strength to do all the things that he's called us to do so that we can be uh, not just filled with, uh, not just, uh, indwelled by the Holy Spirit, but then also filled with the Holy Spirit and in his power to do the things that God's called us to do. Uh, as the Bible says that, you know, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, right? So um, let's go ahead and take a break because we're about eight minutes over time. Uh, let's run into a commercial. We'll come back and um, start talking about our, our next topic, uh, which is going to be about the seven I am statements of Jesus. We'll be right back. Did you know that every time you swipe your debit card, those behind-the-scenes transaction fees make the big banks even richer? In 2016 alone, these fees added up to $60 billion. Yes, that's billion with a B. Well, what if there was a way to have the convenience of a debit card, but reroute those fees from the banksters to organizations actually doing good in the world? Organizations that protect the environment or feed hungry children? What if your swipes could literally change the world? Well, Groundswell SPC has found a way to do just that. We've designed a Visa debit card program that shares transaction fees with your favorite cause. Groundswell partners with nonprofit organizations that promote the card to their supporters. 
Their supporters then use the card to power the mission of the nonprofit. It's a win-win-win for everyone, except the big banks, of course. Groundswell is about to launch its first cards into market, and we're inviting you to be part of this movement as an investor in the company. Go to WeFunder.com backslash Groundswell card to learn more. Set up a free WeFunder account and invest in Groundswell today and get your money on mission. Just as ungrounded signals wreak havoc on radio communications, there's growing concern that because we are not grounded, we absorb tremendous amounts of electromagnetic radiation from our modern devices. EMF stands for electromagnetic field. We are all immersed in electromagnetic fields from Wi-Fi, from the wiring in our homes, and it disturbs our electrical balance. We get charged inside of our bodies. We get electrically charged. Some people have as much as 20 volts on their bodies, and that's not good for you. The information is provided for general informational purposes only. The contents are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Ground Therapy Incorporated makes no representations about the efficiency, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained in or available through the information provided. We all know that times are tough and things are really expensive right now, so why not save a little bit of your wallet as well as the landfill? Marty.com carries high-quality products at low, low prices, sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com offers high-quality products at discount prices. Why? Well, sometimes products are seasonal or overstocked or packaging just changes. It's still great quality food, but it's going to end up in the landfill if we don't find some way to distribute it. And leave that to Marty.com. Now, if you want to save a little extra today, you can get $20 off your first order by going to our Facebook group for Dynamic Word Bible Studies and picking up a discount code there. So check out Dynamic Word Bible Studies at Facebook and find Marty.com on our comments. You'll be able to get this free discount code. It's going to give you $20 off, and it's also a great way to support our show and to keep those landfills light and to save some money in your wallet. And I'm all about saving money. So check out Marty.com. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Dynamic Word Bible Studies. This is your host, Felicia DeRozier, my co-host. Cross. Cross, you've been too quiet, buddy. We need to hear more from you. And then oh, we've got no. and then we've got uh my friend Miss Sherry Vivian. She's so awesome. She's been sharing and dropping some biblical wisdom and knowledge on us and I'm so thankful for all the insights she has. We need to hear less from me. No, we always need to hear more from you, son. You you have great things to say. Um I read the Hebrew Oh, I I like it. I like it. So um we're going to move on to our next topic today. Uh, every once in a while, instead of a testimony, we have an augmented topic, something in the Bible that we feel is important to share. Um, and today we're going to talk about the seven I am statements of Jesus. Um, and so if you have your Bible open uh, and ready, I think it's a great idea to turn to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. Now, I understand that 
Jesus was not physically on earth during this whole writing of Exodus. That, that you know, he's not in the story by name, but we're going to show you why he's using the phraseology that he's using when he's making these I am statements. So when you go to Exodus chapter 3, you're going to see that, that this is where Moses is talking to the burning bush. And this is the first time that God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, gives us his name. Okay? And so, yeah, okay, so so if we say Yahweh, I'm going to say, honestly, that is a total pronunciation, probably not the way it was pronounced in Hebrew. Uh, there are no vowels in um, Hebrew, so uh, some people will say Jehovah. Um, that is also, I'm going to say Jehovah is definitely mispronunciation because it didn't have a hard B in, in there. Yeah, so so it's not there's not a hard B in that name um, because that wasn't a sound in ancient Hebrew. Um, but I'm going to say Yahweh is probably wrong too because uh, really it's it's we we don't know what the vowel sounds are in there, right? And actually, really interesting story about the burning bush. Um, the first thing that God says in Hebrew is tell my people that Eh Yeh has sent me. Okay. But that, the eh, yes, in Hebrew means I will be. Moses can't refer to God as I will be. Only God knows what he will be. So in the next verse, God tells him the version that he should use, which is Yahweh, the God of your ancestors. He has sent me to you. Yes. Will be he, which means he will be in Hebrew. Okay. So, so there's this whole, like, cool thing about God just kind of refers to himself in a state of being verb way, okay? To use English uh, terminology, he, he always refers to himself as nothing more than a state of being. Um, it is his, his ultimate way of saying, I am who I am. It is, it is just me. And there's no way to adequately describe God. It's really what he's saying. There's no way to describe me. I am who I am. And they should just know who I am. Um, and so... Uh, this is the part, part where he says, and God says to Moses, I am who I am. Um, and this is the closest translation that we can get in English is just to understand um, that that I am statement, okay, from God, okay, is referring to himself, okay? So um, when God reveals his name and it translated, um, it means I am, this references that wholeness of God and his eternal unchanging nature, when Jesus uses these words, he's identifying himself with a part of the Trinity as one in character with God the Father and as divine himself. Now, if you don't believe me, just at every time that he does this and the responses and reactions of the people around him, um, they do not respond and react kindly when he says this about himself because they say that he is equating himself to God, Right? So yes. they're not missing the meaning. We shouldn't either, okay? <laughs> um, they're getting it just clear as day. Um, so he's making statements about God's unchanging nature as well. So the rest of the study, we're going to pop open um, the book of the Gospel of John, okay? And the first thing that we're going to look at is John chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 35 where Jesus says the first statement I am the bread of life. So let's read this verse together. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. But I say to you that 
you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should not lose, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life and will raise up with him on the last day. Um, uh, when he says, I am the bread of life, um, I'm, I think he's referring to Passover, where they would uh, have bread and they would uh, eat the lamb. So that's certainly a great reference on there, but I'm going to tell you what happens in verse 41. And this is going to actually make you think of another biblical story, ancient biblical story. Are you ready for this? Yeah. So the Jews grumbled about him. Okay. I don't know. That's, there's a lot of stories in there, mostly in the New Testament, about the Jews grumbling. Well, there's a lot in the Old Testament, too. Yeah. Ready? So the Jews grumbled about him and said, um, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Manna from Exodus. Yes. So he is not just referring to himself as part of that Passover feast. Okay, but, but he, is he is referring to himself as that provision that God had that keeps the Israelites alive while they're in the wilderness. And weren't we just while discussing? they're just wandering around about with no guide? Right. And weren't we just saying that we now have the guide, but we're still in this wilderness scenario where we're like we've got a foot in heaven and a foot on earth, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so this totally reminds me of manna from heaven that sustained Israel through the desert. God is our provider, and Jesus is the provision that we need. Miss Sherry left. And okay. <laughs> um, she'll call back. We'll let her back on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's see here. Um, is this her calling into my phone? I hope not. Let me see. I can't even get to it. To make it stop ringing. Okay. Anyway, we'll have to keep going. Um, so, um, what are some of the other I am statements? Okay. So, let's, yes. So, we'll keep going. But the point is, this first statement, and I hope that everything will stop beating soon. I'm sorry. The first statement was meant to say that God is our provider and Jesus was the provision. Okay. He is the manna. He's the provision that gets us to heaven. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, and and like just like it's like mirrored in the Exodus story because after a while the Israelites grow tired of manna and they're like, No, we want fruits like we did in Egypt, we want meat and like in uh in Jesus' story they reject him as the, as the provision. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That is exactly what we're talking about. So let's talk about the second one. Um, I am the light of the world. Okay. You're going to find this one. I know. This is a good one, right? I know because that's like the, like in JC Park at our church, that was like the one, like, we were like, like that entire class was like built on that verse. Was, I am the light of the world, a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. That's right. So that's actually found in John chapter 8, and we're going to pick up at verse 12, okay? And you keep your eye here and, and watch for Sherry to call back in. 
Okay? Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Okay? Now, he's talking, of course, not of, talk, of walking in regular darkness. Obviously, if we go out camping and we go on a hike, we walk in real darkness, right? Okay? So he's not talking about that kind of darkness, is he? Well, I should know because I just spent a week outside there. That's right. And you took a night hike, right? Last week. Yes, and I'm sure you had a great time, right? Yeah. So um, he's talking about walking in spiritual darkness, right? Yep. And we've been walking in spiritual darkness, right? So um, here we're talking about, so the word that's translated as light doesn't just mean like light like your light bulb. Um, it means divine illumination, the manifestation of God's true life, and the restoration of our life and relationship with God. Because God is brighter than any night light that we could ever buy. That's right. And he becomes our wisdom again, just like he was before the fall. Pretty cool, right? Okay. So the next one is, I am the door to the sheep, of the sheep. Um, some... Uh, some biblical translations actually translate this to gate. So if you've heard it before as I am the gate, this is the same verse. We're going to flip to John chapter 10, and we're going to start pick up at verse 7, okay? Um, now, uh, let me go ahead and read the, the scripture, and then I'll explain a little bit, okay? It says, and so Jesus again said to them, truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Um, some translations will translate this as the gate. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. Okay? Am I stopping there? Let me just double check. Oh, okay. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Okay, so listen. Here, listen. So listen, this is kind of a broad concept, and for those of us who are not shepherds, I live in a desert, okay? I've never actually seen a shepherd, okay? But I haven't seen sheep. Right. Okay. I mean, I've seen bighorn <laughs> sheep, that's not the same That's going to be one of the best moments in our show when I fall like a sheep, because, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, we, we go up to Boulder City, that's the only time that we see bighorn sheep, which is the same thing, but. Um, yes. So, um, but the difference is that um, bighorn sheep are not, um, they're, they're not domesticated, okay? Right. So here we're talking about they a shepherd. They kick you. Uh, they, they will. You don't go close to those. Um, but, but here we're talking about domesticated sheep and shepherds, right? Yeah. So the way that it was set up was there was like a corral that you would put the sheep in. I'm such a Westerner that we call it a corral. I'm sure it has a better name someplace else. Um, but there's like this corral that you would put the sheep in. Then okay. would be like, no, no, you're wrong, you're wrong. Right, right, right. And so it had an opening, and that opening was pretty narrow. And so the shepherd would collect and gather all the sheep into the corral for the evening where they would be safe. And then do you know what the shepherd would do across the doorway? He would actually lay down physically in the doorway. That's where he slept for the night, was in the doorway of the cross. But the sheep would know, no, you're not getting out. The sheep would know that they weren't getting out. And anything invading that would want to steal the sheep, any people who would try to steal the sheep, right, uh, any wolves or lions that would want to steal the sheep, they'd have to get through him, right? 
And so he was the safety and corral protection. was, like, too high for them to just jump over. Right, right, right. Well, it, the corral was too high for them to jump over. But also, um, also the sheep uh, weren't going to pass by their shepherd, right? Right. And so it would be a whole lot harder. So, so here we're talking about how um, Jesus is the protector, okay? He's keeping those who have come to him safe. Uh, and I know Sherry has come back on. Hi, Sherry. Welcome back. Did you have anything Hi, that you wanted to ask? <laughs> no worries. You know what? These things happen. Um, so did you have anything that you wanted to add to that? Um, Jesus being the, the door of the sheep or the gate, depending on which translation you're reading? Well, and the thing is, is that that's where when he covers us by his blood, it's like the doorpost and the lintel. When he, when he covered the Israelites, their doorposts, their windows, with mm-hmm. the, the blood of the lamb, um, the sacrificial lamb, as Moses told them to do uh, when the plagues were coming across, he tells us throughout his word from the very beginning to the end that he is our protector going to watch right. over us. And that he's not going right. to allow sin and death and and the enemy to come in and rob, steal, and destroy. And that's what the wolf right. does. When he comes, comes to the sheep, he wants to rob, take them from his owner, okay? He wants to right. destroy them physically, their right. body, okay? And we're running into that with uh, the world right now. But God wants you to know if your value and your worth to him. He is your protector. Right. He is going to guard you with his life. That's what the shepherd was right. doing. That's actually, so the next one is interesting because I feel like, I, I feel like I've heard it taken to extremes that I, that I don't feel like this is what God had meant. So we'll talk about this one a, a little bit, I think, more at length, and that is, I am the good shepherd. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what a good shepherd is. We're going to find this verse. Again, um, John chapter 10, and we're just going to keep reading here, verses 11 through 14. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd always lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand is not a shepherd, who does not own a sheep, and he sees a wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. So this is interesting because um, a lot of times I hear uh, this tied with, you know, um, when, when David says in the Psalms that, that the rod and the um, staff comfort me. Um, and then you hear a lot of people go into discipline um, oh, yeah. and, and how God that's not what breaks it us. No, no, it's, it's that, super not what it says at all. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, super not. Um, I, okay, I, so I think it, I think it's completely off when they say that. So go ahead and, and tell me what you were thinking there. Well, it's taking it out of context because we're we're looking at the rod and the staff. He's talking about a shepherd's staff and a shepherd's rod. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. The that is okay. So a shepherd's staff usually, if they you know they you see the little bow peep lost her sheep with the hook, right? Well, the hook is so right. that they can gather the sheep and draw them back, okay? 
to right. uh, the rod, the same thing, is to guide and direct them. They would tap the rod, okay, on the ground, okay, in front or in back of the sheep to get them to move. They wouldn't hit the sheep with it, okay. Right. Um, when a shepherd is, is taking care of his flock, he's guiding, he's directing, he's protecting, okay. He is right. never going to leave. That's, that's the key in that verse, too. That means that he will, Jesus is reaffirming. God is reaffirming. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Once we sin, did he leave us or forsake us in the, in the garden? Right. No. He made a promise to us that he was going to, to show us the way to salvation so that we could be with him eternally. He removed, he removed the tree of life from the garden, but the angels guarding the garden, why? Because he didn't want us to spend our life, our, our, life, our physical life on this earth or our, our, our eternal life, okay? Because that's what it was, the tree of life, which is above the throne in heaven. He is our, our tree of life. He is the fruit of the tree of life that we were supposed to eat to begin with. Remember, right. we were not forbidding to the tree of life. But being a good shepherd, he's going to he's going to guide us to that tree of life. Okay, so God is guiding right. us to that tree of life. He is guiding us to give us life abundantly. He takes us into the green pastures where we can feast. Okay, and it doesn't mean just upon His word; it means in everything in our life. He has a purpose and a plan. Is the road? always going to be smooth no sometimes it's a road of difficulty but that road of difficulty is it of our own making or other people's choices at times it's other people's choices that make our road more difficult sometimes it's our own choices he gave us free will for a reason he didn't want Mm -hmm. us to be automatons sheep are not automatons okay sheep do do go off their own way. They wander, okay? But God is there to bring them back. The good shepherd is there. If a sheep wanders off, he's going to go look for that one sheep. He's going to go right. look well, for and that if we, one sheep and bring them back. Right, and if, if we actually look at this scripture, so it, it, it's actually really hard if you look at the scripture to misinterpret what it's saying. Because he really brings up this contrast between the good shepherd and the bad shepherd, okay? And the difference mm-hmm. that he says is that the bad shepherd will just leave the sheep to die. Um, he's just being paid to be there. He doesn't care about the sheep at all. He just, you know, if the attack comes, he just goes, oh, there you go. Sorry, sheep, you know, have fun with that. Um, and so um, Jesus is saying that what makes him a good Be shepherd careful. is his willingness. What? That's why we have to be careful, okay, not to put a pastor or a layperson or anyone else on a pedestal before God. We right. have to realize right. that they, they are entrusted, okay, they are entrusted with us, okay, but our true owner, our true shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we test everything by the word of God. Okay. Absolutely. We test so, everything by the word of God. Right. So, so in other words, never make the mistake that the, the good shepherd, the one who's willing to lay his life 
down for his fold, um, the one who was willing to make the selfless sacrifice was Jesus. So don't don't get dissuaded by that. There's plenty of great earthly teachers. I hope someday I'll, I'll go down as a decent one. But um, but the fact of the matter is the person who laid their life down for you is Jesus and no one else. Um, so the third one, let's move, or the fifth one, because we have to uh, – we have to end the segment real soon, so we're, let's let's pop off these other ones real quick, okay? Um, okay. Is I am the resurrection and the life. John chapter 11, we're going to pick up in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am, and this is, um, uh, let me set the scene very, very briefly. Um, his friend Lazarus has died. He's been buried for three days, um, and his sister is upset, like legit upset, because he didn't show up while he was sick, okay? And he and was. she told him while he was sick. And she told him while he was sick. And so the whole point was, like, if you had been here, you could have healed him. And so now Jesus is trying to stretch her faith and stretch everyone's faith, because he's basically saying, whoa, I'm not done yet, okay? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he will die, yet he <laughs> shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Okay, so he is basically saying, um, and she says in response, by the way, um, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, son of God, who is coming into the world. Um, so there's a lot to unpack on this verse. First of all, not all Jesus is, or not all Jews believed in a physical resurrection, and Jesus is demonstrating that he is God, and God will resurrect those who believe and that they enter into eternal life through him, that it is far easier to get someone to physically raise from the dead into life here on earth than it would be, you know, that, that, that seems to be the harder thing than to resurrect them in heaven. But this is the physical proof that he can do what he's saying he can do. Okay. Also, uh, in ancient Jewish tradition, it was believed, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show before, it was believed that, um, like, like within three days, mm-hmm. it was possible for someone to be raised from the dead because they believed that the spirit of the dead guy or girl was just wandering around the city. Right. But like on the fourth day, it was believed spiritually impossible. Right. So, so he is doing what they're saying is impossible because he wants to prove to them that if he can do that, that that he as God has the power to resurrect. Uh, and to bring eternal life in heaven. And he made sure that he got there on the fourth day. Right. So so 1 Corinthians 15.55 um, has a little bit more insight into this, I hope, that I wrote that down right. Okay. Uh, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Um, and so this is really the promise of God in physical form showing us that we can trust him um, that uh, we will live eternally with God. So number six, let's move through this one as well. Um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We find this verse in John 14, uh, verses 5 through 6. Thomas um, is talking to him. (laughs) Yes. So um, Thomas is talking to him. And Jesus is basically saying his farewell. I will see you later, and where I'm going, you'll come. You know the way. And Thomas, I love Thomas because he asked the question I would always ask. Like, like, whoa, bro, I don't know what you're talking about. 
and he is not shy of saying that he doesn't know what he's talking about. So he's Thomas, not the one, he's not the quiet one. Here. Right? No, he's he's totally willing to be he like. Has what's on his mind. You know, you know the kid in class who would raise their hand and and oh, go ahead and that go ahead and look stupid for the whole rest of the class. Nobody understood what the teacher just said. Um, but nobody wanted to raise their hand and admit it, and the one kid who does it, you love that guy. That's your hero, right? Because, like, you don't understand. Because you didn't understand it, but you want to admit it. So I, I always <laughs> feel like someone's always there for me. Like, I'm not right. that kid, but I always – But there's always some kid. guy. Thomas is this guy, okay? Like, I'm sure the – like, we all laugh at him now, but the, the disciples were like, you are a treasure. You're like a national treasure pro. Thank you for asking the question. So Thomas – says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. <laughs> how can we how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. So he's he's telling him now he still doesn't know the way. Like, okay, let's let's be real, okay? He still doesn't know where he's going because like, can you find heaven on a map? No, I can't find heaven on a map. But I know where Jesus went, and he went back to the Father. And I know that the way to go to Jesus is through him. Okay? Thank you, Thomas. Thank you. You are, you are an, a national treasure. Okay? Um, <laughs> so Jesus says that he's the way, which is the path, which is the truth. Okay? Um, he says he's the truth, that divine revealed truth to man, and the life, both the physical and spiritual life. Jesus here states, as, as concisely as possible, that he is the fulfillment of God's ultimate plan. And so that's a really awesome verse there. Go ahead. And it also shows God in three persons and Jesus. Okay, I'm having person. trouble hearing you there. God it in three also persons. shows God in three persons. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the mm. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Okay. Um, it's very important that we remember that we have one God with three personalities, three persons, but they are all the same one God. Okay. Right. Um, Jesus is the physical manifestation on the earth for a little while for us. Right. Okay. Um, and the reason for that is did God choose any, any, anyone else? Have you ever heard of anyone else? Okay, any other gods that live and walk this earth, even after right. their physical death. Right. Um, he did not die because of man. He laid down his life. They could not take the breath out of him. Right. When he said it was finished, right. he released himself. Um, right. That's another thing so we Jesus- have to completely re. re- Remember that. And with false teachings, there's a lot out there that take Bible scripture out of context. We have to bring it back into context. And that's what we're attempting right here. Right. So, so here we're talking about Jesus being the way, God the Father being the mm-hmm. truth, and the Holy Spirit being the life. Yes. Yes. Got it. That is a super awesome observation there. I really love that. Um, let's let's just real quick hit uh, number seven so we can get to a Q and A session today. Um, okay. Because I'm just I'm just going on too much myself. You know that's how I do. 
Um, so <laughs> that's how I do, y'all. Uh, and all right, and then uh, the Holy Spirit. All <laughs> right, that's true. You want to you want to read the last verse? Is that what you're saying? Okay, sure. So, what's the last one, Cross? Do you remember? I've got the verse up right here. You don't even have to look it up. Um, I'm on it. Okay, uh, so I am the true vine. I am the true vine, right? And so you're gonna read verses one through five, there, buddy. Nice and loud up here. I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the world, because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Okay, okay, okay. So more tra- more more talk about gardening, right? We're talking about vines and man, okay, we just can't get away from this analogy, right? Okay. So more talk about vines and branches and gardening. Here Jesus says that he's the vine, we're the branches, okay? And that we only produce fruit by abiding in him. God the Father is the gardener pruning us as we grow. And that makes Jesus and, of course, the Holy Spirit, which we said um, the last couple of weeks, is that sap that's running in um, the, the wick of the branch as our life. Okay? So um, did you yeah, have anything you wanted to add to that about, one, Sherry, before we? Yes, because you Go have ahead. to think about the vine and the tree and the branches. Okay, so look at, look at it this way. The sap of a tree, okay, feeds the entire tree, its branches. If a branch is cut off or the circulation of the sap does not go through the branch, the branch dies and withers and goes away. Okay. Um, It's like if we don't water a plant, the living water. Okay. He, when, 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 when he, the roots that come up that are from the vine, okay, the roots absorb the water, okay. Christ is the water that feeds it. It gives us eternal life. When we're grafted in, you know, if you take a, a sliver and you, you, you sliver it, you sliver a piece of the, the vine itself on a grape vine, um, just a little dash in there and wrap it together with twine or, or, um, or tape, floral tape we, we use when we're doing floral tape. Um, but they use wire, anything to graft it so that it grafts in. It grows together because of the blood right. of the vine. The, the, in both both instances, and we're grafted in through the blood of Christ. Okay, right. we become an extremity because Christ is dwelling within us, feeding us that holy that Holy Spirit, that living Word, that living water. You know, His Word when we read it, it it's 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 on our mind. Okay, like the epod in the priestly robes, it's the Word of God is right there in the epod. Okay to keep it on our mind. It's a symbolism of keeping it on our mind um, and keeping right. it on our heart. The blessed of righteousness, the reasons that the jewels are there, okay, are to remind us of Christ, the 12 tribes of Israel. The, 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 the foundation of everything is within us. That tree of life 
is living within us when we ask Christ into our hearts. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit guiding and directing our path, being our good shepherd. Christ is in one. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Okay? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit within us. Okay? We are no longer separated from God. Now, we have choices still to make. Are we going to serve the Lord God and be obedient, or are we going to be disobedient? You know, right. we, we and that's Jesus in that's our heart. Full circle. So we're back to the original. Back to the original scripture that we had. Okay? Um, yeah, that's, Romans, that's right. Full transformation. Um, that's, that's full circle to where we started at, and I, I feel like we need... I feel like we need to cut to commercial break or we're not going to have any question and answers. So um, uh, let's go ahead and cut off to commercial real quick, and then we'll come back and do our Q&A. We'll have about seven to ten minutes for that. So um, we'll be right back, okay? Okay. Just as ungrounded signals wreak havoc on radio communications, There's growing concern that because we are not grounded, we absorb tremendous amounts of electromagnetic radiation from our modern devices. EMF stands for electromagnetic field. We are all immersed in electromagnetic fields from Wi-Fi, from the wiring in our homes, and it disturbs our electrical balance. We get charged. Inside of our bodies, we get electrically charged. Some people have as much as 20 volts on their bodies, and that's not good for you. The information is provided for general informational purposes only. The contents are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Ground Therapy Incorporated makes no representations about the efficiency, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained in or available through the information provided. We all know that times are tough and things are really expensive right now. So why not save a little bit of your wallet as well as the landfill? Marty.com carries high quality products at low, low prices, sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com offers high-quality products at discount prices. Why? Well, sometimes products are seasonal or overstocked or packaging just changes. It's still great quality food, but it's going to end up in the landfill if we don't find some way to distribute it. And leave that to Marty.com. Now, if you want to save a little extra today, you can get $20 off your first order by going to our Facebook group for Dynamic Word Bible Studies and picking up a discount code there. So check out Dynamic Word Bible Studies at Facebook and find Marty.com on our comments. You'll be able to get this free discount code. It's going to give you $20 off, and it's also a great way to support our show and to keep those landfills light and to save some money in your wallet. And I'm all about saving money. So check out Marty.com. Hey, everyone. Proof here. Just wanted to ask you guys, are you guys tired of all the mask ordinances that are passing all over the place with people telling you that you're not allowed to buy and sell unless you have a piece of fabric over your face? Well, we sure are tired of it. Please check out realbarefaceislegal.org 
and help us get together to fight these mask ordinances. You can also find Bareface is Legal on Facebook, either as a group or a business page. Anyway, help us fight back against these stupid mask mandates. RealBarefaceIsLegal.org all right, guys, welcome back to Dynamic Word Bible Studies. This is your host, Felicia DeRozier, my co-host and my son, Ralph. And we've got special guest co-host, Sherry Vivian, joining us live. She's a rock star. I hope you have been here to hear the awesome insights that she's had. Um, so now we're going to hop into our Q&A session. So um, you guys can call in if you'd like to. I'm going to give the guest call-in number a couple of times, so write it down. Give us a call, and uh, press 1 if you'd like to talk to us. The guest call-in number is 319-527-6208. That's 319-527-6208. Of course, I am live on the chat, so if you are joining us um, that way, if you have logged in, you can feel free to type something in the chat room, and I'd be happy to ask that as well. Um, so let's see here. I think the first question, we have a very short Q&A session today, but let's ask the first question. Do you feel like it's hard to live in this world and not be shaped into its image? Why? And I think I'm going to actually really intentionally bat this to our youngest member of our co-host team right now, because I think he's really that person who is in the process of being shaped into an adult. So... Um, if you could kind of come on over here and tell us a little bit about, do you think that it's hard to be um, transformed into the image of Christ as opposed to being shaped as the image of the world, and, and why or why not? Um, that's a tough one. Uh, really, like, <clears throat> depends, like, if I was someone else, really, just like, I grew up in a Christian household. We go to church, go to youth group, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Christian, like, really, like, I know, uh, like, a lot of adults who are not raised in a Christian household. And uh, a few of my friends were not raised up in a Christian household. Uh, like, you don't have to name names. No, I'm not going to. Okay, okay. Uh, and, like, Brain fart, sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think it's, like, the suffering that I've heard about in the Bible to become uh, a follower of Christ. Like, he said, he did, Jesus didn't say you might suffer. Jesus did not say you'll probably suffer. Mm-hmm. Jesus did not say you'll probably not, you will probably not suffer. Jesus said, you will suffer for my name. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a pretty it's tight guarantee, huh? Yeah. Yeah, so you're not looking forward to that, is that it? Yeah. Is that kind of scary for you? Uh, I mean, well, like, I live in America. I think the suffering might be, like, a little less than if I lived sure. in ancient Israel, like Paul, who got flogged, like, ten times and got stoned. and Or even in other parts of the twice. world. You know, other other parts of the world, like, we actually have uh, more Christians being persecuted and killed uh, in, in current time than in ancient yeah. uh, Roman Empire times. Like, 2023 so. was, is, like, actually the, like, a historic year because there's, like, more Christians being murdered 
this year than in any other year. But I feel like there's still a lot of social pressure right now for, for especially kids, right? Yeah. To conform to a worldly way of thinking and um, to uh, turn away from their faith and, and to become more, the technical term is secular humanist, right? But um, the, the way we were talking about it today in the Bible study was me first, right? Yeah. My way or the highway. Right. So is it is it hard to keep that in mind and to discern? Like, I know when I was younger, it was a little bit harder to discern. Like, am I doing this because it's my way or am I doing this because it's God's will? You know, just, it, is that hard for you, buddy? Um, not usually because, uh, <clears throat> like, I swear he's not my... dying. I don't know where the <clears throat> is. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, most of my friends are Christians. Well, mostly, like, all of my friends are Christians. Are they? Okay. Yeah, and, like, actually, I read, like, an article or, like, a news story or something. I don't I don't know where I got this information. See, the weird thing is I have ADHD, but I never remember where I hear about this stuff, and it's only, like, 25% accurate. Okay. I don't know where I get this stuff. That's a very specific percentage. Yeah, like, <laughs> 25% accurate, folks. Okay. Like, so what is it that know. you think that you've heard? Is that um, is that like less than like I think ten percent of Gen Z is Christian? Okay, I I have heard a few reports that I don't know. I'm not going to take a guess at the percentage. What I'm going to say is that it's very not very little. many. Yeah. Okay, and and I think I have an explanation as to why that is. Okay, and and my explanation for it is this: is that um, so our our um, culture is really rooted in uh, Roman culture, okay, our government style. I know that you studied government, so you know that, um, but also our culture. And the, the Roman culture was broadly what we call secular humanist, which says that, um, that uh, physical pleasure and sexual pleasure are the ultimate goal in life. It's the highest thing that you can have, the bestest thing that you can have. And so you can see that um, there's this, this like, I, I want to say uh, sexual explosion is probably the best way to describe it. Um, it it's, it's everywhere, okay, where people are discussing their sexuality um, and hyper-focused. The, the whole, it's, it's like the whole of society like the whole, is hyper-focused. Like gender identity. Yes. And so gender identity is rooted out of, my own sexual expression. And right now right. I'm like, okay, what they say on your birth, that's what gender you are. So, so this is the problem is that it's all rooted in what I want and what I want to do. And so we're, we have a very opposite message, right? And that is that I'm supposed to forsake what I want and do what God wants me to do. Um, that becomes tough, doesn't it? And I think Sherry had something else to add there. Well, and that is where, you know, we have to recognize for what it is. Sexual immorality is sin, whether it's, uh, and it is physical sin outside the context of biblical marriage, which is between one man and one wife that God created us for, um, Adam and Eve. He is, and, and we go back to the Bible and what God says about sexuality and morality he created us in his image, um, mm-hmm. male and there are only two genders, male and female. <laughs> there again, we are buying in as a society 
to a lie. That's where we become part of the world, when we buy into that lie, that you can change your identity. Because what it's trying to do is separate and take God out of the equation. God well, and it's out just a, of. And on, on our own flesh and on our own desire, um, which is rooted in sin, whatever we're focused on our own flesh and desire. Um, and so that's, yeah, I think that you really hit it on the on the, the nail on the head, both of you guys. I think it's awesome. Um, let me see here. Uh, what is challenging? I, I only have time for one more question. We're going to have to be really brief because um, we're already almost out of time here. What is challenging about living in the in-between space of the first new life and the second new life? Now, remember, the first new life is we're born again as Christians and we receive the Holy Spirit, Okay. And so now I've got the Holy Spirit in me, but I'm still living in the world. My, my flesh hasn't been renewed, so I'm still in sinful flesh, and I'm still stuck in the middle of this place, which is now very foreign to me, that's full of sin and, and chaos and all this craziness. Now, Cross, you might have been a Christian so long, you may not remember um, much about living before you had the Holy Spirit, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that might be the case. So uh, I, I got I, baptized twice actually. Yeah. Once when I was six, I just wanted to get wet. And once when I was eight, when I actually gave my life to Jesus. Okay. So, so you know a little bit about that, don't you? Yeah. I, um, I, I have awful memories, so I don't really remember a time, right? You don't really remember that. Okay. So, but what do you think is hard now? Like, we look forward to being in heaven, right? And we look forward to being with God and, like, everything being a little simpler, right? We don't struggle with sin as much because we don't have sinful flesh, Right. And uh, God's right there. Like, literally that whole phone call thing could happen, right? We could be like, hey, God, what do you think about this? Right? So what's hard, do you think, living in this in-between space? And, and Sherry, you can feel free to pipe in, too. Um, if, we only have, like, 10 seconds left, so. That's okay. That's okay. We'll go a little over time. Well, first of all, before I asked Jesus in my heart and recognized I had to repent from my sin, I didn't know what sin was, okay? Mm-hmm. It wasn't until that pastor told me it was lying, it was stealing, it was, and it, it hit me. I stole the chiclets from the grocery store, okay? That was an aha moment when I, and, and I knew I did not want to be eternally separated from Jesus who loves me, right. God who loves me. Is calling my name, okay? When I asked Jesus in my heart, and he baptized me with water, and I received the Holy Spirit, and, and, and the moment I asked him in my heart, he started, you know, even before then, he was teaching me wrong from right and drawing me to him. But after I received him, okay, I, I did not get discipled the way that, you know, in the word. And that a lot of it was trial and error. Okay, a lot of it was if I didn't know it, I would error and fall into sin. Okay, because of the fact that I didn't know better. Okay, Um, my choosing my first husband, I put him on a pedestal, and you know I realize now that that was it was not a healthy relationship. Those things he was one way married, and then he changed. And um, it was it was because my eyes were closed. Okay, I didn't realize mm-hmm. I hadn't put him above God. Okay, I really did not realize that. 
But at the right. same point in time, that's what we struggle with. We str- I was struggling with my flesh, okay, as a believer, okay? Now, God used the situation, my commitment, my covenant, those things with him to teach me, to show me. He never left me. He protected me physically. He was that good shepherd the whole time, okay? He never left me or forsake me. And when I, you know, when I, I did get divorced, it was under biblical grounds that he teaches us about because of infidelity, right. because my body is the temple of the Lord, and I cannot allow myself to be beaten and bruised and essentially stabbed. Those things, those physical things, we have to protect our bodies. Okay? God is protecting our bodies. In a car crash, why does one person live? Why does not the other person live? Because physically God is protecting that person. Okay, But at the same point in time, sometimes he's calling us home. Sometimes he calls right. us home to heal us and completely. I'm not trying to get off the subject, but what I'm saying is that with this world, we have choices. Do I take that drink or do I not? Do I do this? Do I do not do this? When we ask God right. to be the Lord of our life, not just our Savior, but the Lord of our life, and every thought we do in prayer, asking for him and for his divine vision, his divine will, his perfect will is what I ask for. We have permissible will and we have perfect will, and he's going to always give us choices. Right. However, well, he is I- not going to tempt us. He is not going to tempt us. That is what Satan does. And when he says in his word that he will protect us from that, when we ask him in his heart, that's what he's doing. Um, are we always going to choose the flesh over the spirit? No. We as Christians will recognize when we're stumbling, when we're sinning, and we will ask for forgiveness. He's already forgiven our sins. When we ask him in our heart, we've forgiven our sins of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He has died once and for all for us. It's all done on the cross. But even living in that grace, there are things that he's asking us to do, things that he's asking us to live a godly life, and he will give us the strength to do that. Do we make mistakes? Yes. The world is tempting us to, to do things that we're not supposed to do. And living in right. that and making that choice, yes, there's a sacrifice. When, 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 and, and even other Christians won't understand what we're doing depending on where their faith is where they're in their faith walk. Are they a strong Christian? Are they a baby Christian? Have they read the word? Do they understand the word? Do they study the word? Do, do they walk with Christ the way we do? Everyone's got an individual walk. It's that one-on-one relationship. He's going to use circumstances and choices to grow us up in him and our salvation. Right. Right. Okay. I think that's a really yeah. great point, and I think um, – for for me, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna wrap this up real quick because we're already five minutes over time. Um, I oh, I want to just kind of wrap this up real quick to say that um, I think that all those points are really really good. Um, for me, I think the two points that I have uh, that are really hard to walk in this in between stage is number one is to remember to yield to God in all things to make sure that I'm praying and and asking for His guidance and direction and knowing that He'll be faithful. In, in providing that um, and not leaning on my own understanding. And number two is uh, receiving grace when I do the wrong thing. Because I do. Every once in a while, I, I, I mess up in one way or another, and the Lord is faithful. Um, and, and, and the Bible says that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. 
Um, not not that he uh, is it, just is is just nice to do it, but that because we're in covenant with him, he's already guaranteed that he will. And so to be able to rest in his grace, knowing that it's not how I perform, but what Jesus did in the cross that makes the difference in my life. And um, I think that that's really the key to uh, all of what we were talking about today. So um, I think that we got to leave it there because we're already a little over time. We want to be gracious with our airtime. Um, I want to thank our guest, Sherry, for sharing so much of our heart. Just really you have so much wisdom to share, and I'm so thankful that you were able to join us on the show today. Um, thank you, Cross, for uh, getting up and sharing your morning with me and skipping masks for now. Um, <laughs> He doesn't mind taking the time off of math to do Bible study ever. So uh, anyway, blessings, you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Uh, we do have a special guest lined up. Um, Pastor Sean's going to be here next week. Oh, Pastor Sean, he's the best. I know you're super excited about that. And, um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what we're going to be talking about yet. So uh, so it'll be a Pastor surprise. Pastor Sean will have a lot to say. Right. Pastor Sean will have a lot to say. Have a great day, you guys. Thank you, and have a wonderful week. God bless. Bye-bye.